0: Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reichley.
1: Greetings and welcome on board the WKOK live telephone talk show, On The Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence, On The Mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. As our show continues, we'll have occasions where the toll-free line will be open. It'll be 1-800-795-9565. You can always email us at on the market, WKOK.com and text us at 70236. We get a lot of text and emails stacked up here so we'll get to those as uh, time permits we have in the studio ben rightly is with us local business person republican committee person and covid skeptic he's back welcome aboard (laughs) sir just a co-host today. Just, just a co-host. Okay. And, hey,
2: you're talking well through that mask.
1: Oh, well, thank that you. That is excellent. Excellent. And uh, the, our other individual, we built an oxygen tent for him at what the end of the about studio.
2: 14 feet away?
1: It is our uh, negative air, uh, Ke- Kevin calls it our NERCOLBLUK, which stands for Negative Air Pressure Tenting Cloaking Device for Bob Garrett only. I mean, the whole thing gets disposed of when you're done. Second, where was the B in in, uh, in that uh, acronym? Uh, Blonky. And that's how you feel after a long <laughs> time. There's yeah. no air circulation. It you're looks sealed in
0: there.
2: It looks it's like a, a, a cabana at your a, yacht club, Bob, uh, well, oh, down in Harrisburg. I was Harrisburg.
0: thinking of herma- <laughs> yeah, the yacht club <laughs> in Harrisburg, right? I was thinking of sort of, sort of like a hermetically sealed... Um, a uh, shower curtain here, or something like
2: that. You look good, though. You look
1: good. Yeah, well, thanks. And don't worry about that—that uh, that thing at the bottom that looks like it could release some sort of gas into there. That is just in case there's somebody there we w- that's talking too long or
0: something. <laughs> we release. We, it's, <laughs> it's like a Seinfeld. It, they turn blue. This we is we like a Seinfeld
2: tonight. scene where he's Bubble Boy, <laughs> he's but, yeah. but grown up. Well, Bob, well, you Bob. heard
0: of Boy in the Bubble? I'm bobbing the Bubble.
1: <laughs> there we you. go. It uh, releases uh, nitrous oxide into the tank. I'll well, we be happy that right. sound like
0: Donald Duck. <laughs> Well,
2: it's going to be an interesting show. First of all, we uh, got—I would say, Bob—this might be defense financial Friday, meaning we're we're destruct, but uh, we got a a great guest that's going to be coming on out of uh, Washington, talk about in the center of everything what's going on financially and with policy-wise, but uh, very interesting show today. We hope uh, we can bring some information to folks and uh, maybe lighten up the day, and when the show gets started, the sun will come out.
1: All right, so uh, jobless
0: numbers, so what did we just hear, and what's your reaction? Yeah, well, I, I put together a briefing for today, and I said, our theme was going to be, it's going to be bad, but how bad? And uh, and we just heard how bad, 701,000 jobs. Uh, we know that that's going to get worse because we know that in the last two weeks since those numbers were taken, I do want to remind everybody that the unemployment numbers you just heard were from March 14th. If you think back to March 14th, that's a day or two before the big shutdowns that we started to see. Certainly, coronavirus and COVID was being talked about at that point, but it hadn't had the big impact that it's had now. Um, you know, now two and a half weeks so, later. So,
2: Bob, in your literary quest that you have, would you say um, the statement "Beware the Ides of March"? Oh comes true.
0: It, it, the Ides of March this year were horrendous. Uh, so, Brutus, uh, yeah, it was bad. Uh, but the participation rate uh, also, which wasn't mentioned yet, but we'll get into it as we go through, is at 62.7%. It, it, hopefully, silver lining, possibly, uh, the participation rate coming out of the other end of this slowdown could actually go up. Uh, so, 701,000 lost jobs nationwide, a uh, unemployment rate up to 4.4%. Uh, we know that the numbers are going to get worse. We know that we have to have a plan. And I just want to go back to it and tell you that we're working with the best of the best. We're working with the Ridge Policy Group uh, on getting that plan together. And I think maybe uh, once, uh, I don't know if you have to talk about the advertisers yet, uh, Mark, but uh, maybe we can get right to uh, Mark Holman. We do have on the newsline Mark Holman, who is a partner in the Ridge Policy Group. And when you hear Ridge, think
1: Governor Ridge. This is uh, the firm that he and some uh, ultra-genius uh, uh, cohorts uh, started in Washington, D.C. to help set policy and to be forward-thinking individuals that really can help. Uh, well,
2: you also want to think Homeland Security Director. Right. Tom yep,
1: Ridge. I'm getting there. Hold on. <laughs> so that's the Ridge Policy Group. Yep. The the, ver- the first uh, Homeland Director, Homeland Security Director ever in the U.S. and continues to help and is uh, currently working on making sure that uh, biodefense is something that's brought up and talked about as it Relates uh, to our nation, making sure that we're ready to make sure that we're ready for anything that uh, falls in our country. To that end, Mark Holman is on the line. He's worked with Tom Ridge, what, for about 40 years now altogether. Is that pretty close? Yeah,
3: it's it's sad when you start counting your career in decades.
1: (laughs) And add it up. (laughs) Right, okay. Well, well, it's
2: good to have a career that went decades,
1: though, Mark. (laughs) Uh, You could say, if you wanted to be facetious, Mark Holman once had a cushy state job in Harrisburg, but that was working with Governor Ridge as his uh, right men then. So we appreciate you checking in today and, and thanks for calling in. Uh, we just heard the latest jobless numbers. You, you'll never hear this phrase from my mouth again. Only 4.1 or 4.4 percent unemployment and only 700,000 jobs lost. Uh, your reaction to that and give us some clarity as it relates to yeah, those numbers.
3: Yeah, well, I, I think uh, this is an entirely different unemployment than our nation's ever been through. I mean, I remember back in the 80s when uh, young Tom Ridge was elected to Congress and unemployment in October of 1982 in northwestern Pennsylvania ranged between 10 and 22 percent in Greenfield, Pennsylvania. But that was hardcore structural unemployment due to the decline of the steel industry, uh, you know, the mining industry in your area and the like. And, you know, a month ago, uh, we didn't have workers. Uh, our economy was at full employment, and we've been brought to a stop by a, uh, a naturally occurring virus. And it's a, this is a really, really difficult time. But I'm extremely confident that once we are allowed to get back at it um, safely, uh, that this economy is going to rebound uh, very quickly.
2: Mark. This is Ben Reichley uh, d- Talking to a number of people, of course, you're in the heart of the policy groups down in uh, down in D.C. It, it seems like there there's groups that just say this this economy's going to really move once we get through this. Now the dates I'm getting through this seem to be sort of all over the place. Yeah, but yeah. the sh- in the short run, how efficient? Not so much easy, but how efficient has the r- Trump administration made it so businesses and employees can get the monies that uh, just passed. Because when you talk about $2 trillion, uh, like we said last week on the show, people used to talk about millions and billions. Well, now yeah. it's trillions. So so the efficiencies of getting that money to give that uh, bridge to get to uh, back to a normalcy uh, hopefully sometime early this summer.
3: Yeah, I, uh, that I mean, it's it is stunning 2.3 trillion dollars uh which is about half of what we spend anyway in the federal government um being allocated uh is clearly going to have an impact and i've been i've been extremely impressed at the speed with which the federal government which has a hard time moving quickly uh has put Forth the rules and is coming out with the rules and in the investment and the like. I know most employers are focused on the Paycheck Protection Program that is a, a loan, but a forgiven loan for employees that are kept on the payroll of under uh, uh, employees under a hundred thousand. That the uh, that application opens today and a, a fairly straightforward application, but. Or those that have not had to lay off their employees this is an incredible grant uh, that's available right now and I think it's going to get on the streets very very quickly uh, the the impact of that I think will be considerable the in, the impact of the individual checks that people will be getting uh, directly from the IRS uh, I think is going to have an impact uh, and I think we have to, you know, wait and see how this affects us structurally. But uh, I, I've been very impressed with the president's team and how quickly they're moving the money out and how when they are uh, they seem to be willing to adjust and pivot uh, with their programs as they write the rules for these things. So uh, I think the, the president's team, including the president, has done, a really good job trying to get at this hard and fast.
0: Mark, this is Bob Garrett. Uh, I actually have heard from a chamber member this morning uh, who uh, logged in early this morning to uh, get their paperwork in, and they told me that uh, they couldn't believe how easy it was. I know I've been working all week long with our local banks so that they're ready and certified, all that, uh, to participate uh, in today. Today we have a uh, governmental affairs committee from the chamber that's going to be logging on to a Ridge Policy Group webinar. And then, following that, we'll have uh, Congressman uh, Muser, and we believe Congressman Keller, also calling in to talk to that group here in the Greater Susquehanna Valley about what we can do locally. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're hearing uh, on, uh, around Washington D.C. as far as 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 far as this piece of legislation, the Cares Act, and maybe what might be coming up in the future?
3: Yeah, and this. I mean, within this. Uh... A great deal of help for business, paycheck protection at the top. There's a main street lending program that's going, rules are coming out that'll be able to help larger size business. There's fully retention tax credits. Uh, I see, Mark, on your show you're going to have the president of Susquehanna on later. There's $13 billion coming to help and support higher education that has had to shut down quickly. And Governors are also going to get $3 billion for education that can go to K 12 or uh, higher education as well. The Economic Development Administration is going to invest $1.5 billion in the economy and community development block grants. Pennsylvania will get $24 million in that fairly quickly. So that's, that's just scratching that's just kind of the the top line but in terms of another bill down here they're discussing one of the things that we should have done about 10 years ago and we've done this bob you were involved in this when we invested in infrastructure in pennsylvania we may actually do a federal infrastructure bill down here which is so long overdue the states have really been carrying the burden of that so i hope uh i think Smartly, the Senate uh, leader McConnell wants to have a breath and see what the impact of the extraordinary spend is at first, but it appears like the President and Speaker Pelosi uh, want to do an infrastructure bill, and that's that's pretty exciting.
2: Mark, on that infrastructure bill, I'd sort of like to point out, I know I was on the uh, roads and bridges and airport sides for a number of years, but I hope that is a bill that considers water, sewer, stormwater, and and what we refer to as subsurface infrastructure, because if it, I'm going to say this politely, if it it ain't good underground, it's only going to be good on top for so long.
3: Well, Ben, you know, I think one of the things even before that of the uh, $1.5 $1.5 billion that the EDA is going to spend. The EDA likes to invest in infrastructure, so I think uh, the Susquehanna Valley hopefully will be able to access that first tranche. Uh, and I, we understand the rules have not been published, but we believe uh, EDA, as they've done in previous disasters, is going to waive any matching funds.
2: No, that's so great. So I
3: think there are... Uh, there's going to be some immediate opportunities from the EDA spend and then hopefully uh beyond that because our we used to say our infrastructure was, you know, 100 years old it's getting to be about what in Pennsylvania about 150 now
0: yeah, the good point. Good point, Mark. Bob Garrett again. Hey, Mark. Uh, you know, we we remember back when uh, Governor Ridge was our governor. Uh, in particular, here in the Greater Susquehanna Valley, uh, you you probably uh, you're still cringing about that evening in 2016 when uh, when all the roads and bridges and everything flooded. Uh, soon after that, actually a few days after that, Governor Ridge came uh, to Sunbury, came to the Greater Susquehanna Valley, and sat with the folks at the uh, merge. Centers at the response centers, and and listened to them and heard what they had to say. Uh, I guess I guess where I'm leading to on this question is. The Ridge Policy Group is coming back. You're bringing back that kind of uh, leadership uh, to help us uh, through our federal opportunity zones, particularly in Shemokin and, and in Sunbury. Can you just give us a little bit of idea of what uh, what's gonna come out of that process, uh, a prospectus, a little bit of a plan of how we're gonna come out of this uh, COVID uh, issue, as well as some of the structural uh, issues that we are addressing here at the Greater Susquehanna yeah. Valley?
3: Yeah, we are really excited, and uh, uh, Congress and the president passed uh, a bill in 2017 that basically would allow designated opportunity zones, and that in your area includes Shemokin and Sunbury and all of Northumberland County, uh, a program where you could invest in not only real estate but in um, actual businesses and have a, up to a 10-year deferment on capital gains investment. So, you know, you think back, uh, the president and his team at a time when he, we were at full employment, uh, the, the economy was, was raging, and, and, and we just added additional incentive on top of that. And it's a program that uh, if there, you have to have good local projects, that's the key. You have to have the projects. But if you identify the projects, it is, is a great way to draw capital into the Susquehanna Valley that might not have even taken a look at us before. So what we hope to do in addition to educating folks about the basics of the program is to help you market the valley and draw capital that's out there in the market that doesn't often look at... Uh, central pennsylvania north central pennsylvania and and build on that so that is still in place and uh we're still excited that that's a very innovative uh way to uh to drive economic development in areas that are willing to you know hustle and uh, and and go for the capital that's really out there that just doesn't look at all of america all the time
1: Really quick question, one more. Uh, Give us a glimpse of what uh, the former governor and former Homeland Secretary, Tom Ridge, is doing as it relates to biodefense, trying to make sure that we're ready in that regard. Tell us about this commission.
3: It's really interesting. So I I was fortunate to serve with the governor in the post-9-11 White House, and it was October 8th, I believe, uh, 2001, where he was sworn in and October 9th, we had anthrax attacks. So we had, in addition to dealing with the aftermath of nine eleven, 11, we ended up dealing with a bio event, uh, a man made bio event, uh, domestic terror, if you will, and got a very uh, sharp lesson in how difficult it is to deal with biological events. We had a first hand uh, view of how disparate our public health system was uh, as it related to be being prepared for this. And so about five years ago, uh, Tom Ridge and Joe Lieberman, you'll remember him, Senator, uh, Vice Presidential Candidate, formed a bipartisan commission on biodefense. And you can uh, look at the report, biodefensestudy.org, and We're not in the I told you so mode right now, but we have 33 recommendations in the report that are really prescient right now and things that we need to do so that the next time something like this happens, we're ready. It called for $2 billion in a public preparedness fund uh, that we should have had in the bank instead of having to wait two or three weeks for an emergency supplemental. It called for the predisposition position of supplies so that instead of delivering supplies from our national stockpile this week, last week, we could have had them on the streets a month ago. It talks about uh, the dangers of zoonotic transfer of disease, something I had not heard of, which is, you know, we believe this coronavirus came from animals in China and has infected the world. So, and and we, you've, all, you've heard and you've seen maybe in movies and the like the economic consequences of a bio uh, event. Uh, unfortunately, we're seeing this played out, and this is naturally occurring. Our report looked at both naturally occurring and a terrorist threat with using biohazards. So I believe, like the nation did post-9-11, uh, when congress gets back and as we work on the fourth bill our our biodefense team that's part of our policy work is going to try to get congress to address long-term preparations uh so that we are prepared much better prepared as a nation at the state at federal and local level to respond more rapidly to an attack like this or to an outbreak like this uh so it's uh it's really interesting and I'll share with you in the you know in the 9/11 days we had uh you know we buttoned down the country we inconvenienced everyone as we tried to figure out airline security and the like and there was moaning and groaning and and there were fits and starts and we learned as we went uh the country is much safer than it was but Part of what we tried to do then was take the fight to the terrorists overseas and and keep them abroad, and we reorganized the federal government, obviously the biggest reorganization of the Defense Department since the Joint System of Command was formed. But I will share with you that a bio. This is more difficult. A bio threat is more difficult. It's more... Uh, Carry to the American people because it's an unseen entity. It's it, it's here. Bob's in a bubble, you know, for example. And uh, I I remember I, I spent 15 months in the, the sit rooms seeing the best of the worst that people want to do to us from around the world. And uh, back then, if you had asked me what concerned me the most or what was the most troublesome, worrisome, it was always bio uh, because it's the most difficult to deal with. And so I really expect and hope uh, that we've learned uh, a hard lesson as a nation, but that we will uh, be much better prepared to respond to the next pandemic, whether it be in 50 years or 10 years, so that we're not in reaction mode and we're entirely ahead of the curve. This is a, you know, with almost 7 million unemployed nationally. This is a tough lesson to learn, but I'm I'm optimistic that Congress and the President will now, uh, when this settles down, and it will, uh, be better prepared the next time we have to deal with something like this.
1: Right, well, thank you for the explanation and the update on that. Uh, we're glad to see that there's an infrastructure in place to continue studying this, too. You could probably reactivate some of these uh, elements yes. of learning that uh, took place. Mark, thank you so much for checking in. We really appreciate the insights. Thanks for helping out our Chamber of Commerce, our regional Chamber of Commerce locally, and uh, for helping your uh, home valley back here, your homies back in Pennsylvania. <laughs> we very much appreciate it. Yeah, thank no, you, Mark. I'm,
3: I'm, Thanks, Mark. Uh, you're very blessed with Congressman Muser and Keller, Senator Gordner, Kurt Mazer. You've got a great uh, got a great team in elected positions to help you out in the valley.
1: All right. Thank you so much, yeah, Mark. I appreciate Mark. the appreciate right, the help and your time. That's Mark Holman. He's a partner of the Ridge Policy Group, as in former Governor Tom Ridge and Homeland Secretary Tom Ridge. Ridge Policy Group in Washington D C. We'll be back with a few remarks about the jobless numbers momentarily.
4: Thank you.
1: Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. What are we going to talk about during the 9 a.m. hour? We've got to do some local numbers. I think
0: a a little bit of local stuff, uh, and then we'll go to Mm. uh, Dr. Jonathan Green, president of Susquehanna University.
1: All right, and uh, throughout that uh, segment, uh, we'll we'll have checked the local news headlines coming up, and uh, Dr. Green is checking in from uh, Susquehanna University. We have lots of texts and emails to read, and we'll start to hammer away at those at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to News Radio 1070. WKOK Sunbury, On the Mark, our live telephone talk show, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a family-owned dealership since 1915. 4th Street, Sunbury, and Routes 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf. We'll have lots more to say about them during the 9 a.m. hour as well. You are listening to On the Mark. It's WKOK's live telephone talk show. This is News Radio 1070. WKOK Sunbury, WKOK News Time, now 9 a.m.
0: Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Great
1: Greetings. Welcome back. WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Uh, Joe McGranahan always has Friday off. That leaves the chair vacant for Ben Reichley, fine local businessman, committee person, and COVID skeptic. He was just a commentator today, no?
2: <laughs> not so a skeptic. Pr- not, not a skeptic. Okay. Not a skeptic.
1: Uh, Rob Sanders, our fabulous producer. He's took care, good care of us all week long. Bob Garrett is with us, president and CEO of the Great. Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. We always talk about the jobless numbers. Are we seeing any trends locally? Are you getting a picture, a glimpse of the local joblessness around here, Bob?
0: Mark, I'd I'd have to go anecdotal on that because any data that we'd have, any hard data we would have now would be two months old, somewhat um, irrelevant, Mm -hmm. uh, not relevant, I guess I should say. And irreverent, too. (laughs) Irreverent. Well, Well, you know, and that's important, Mark. You just brought up something very, very important. Important is that at this point we we I think we all have to knock off uh, the skepticism and all that at this point what we need to do is keep this pandemic as small as contained as we possibly can and I, I've Frankly, I, I am encouraging chamber members, listen to the governor, listen to Secretary Levine, listen to those folks, because the shorter we keep this, the quicker we can rebound. We know this is going to get bad. We know the projections are dismal. But uh, the sooner we get out of it, the better off we're all going yeah, to be. Yeah, I,
2: I believe Mark Holman talked about it, what, a month, six weeks ago? There was too many jobs for people. Right. Now, right. now and, and remember, this is a man-made shutdown, Meaning, you know, this virus comes. Man in. did
1: they, it, and man can undo it.
2: Well, this, yeah, but this is this is you know, we shut this down due to the health scenarios. At some point, and in different regions and in different states, when window things start to come back and move. T- time will tell, and you see the president and the uh, people that come out and they discuss uh, things uh, daily, and and you, you they talk about the numbers and they talk about where the numbers are, and you know it's very hard to compare a country to another country in some ways. There's some basic fundamentals of how to deal with things, but the United States is one-of-a-kind country uh, where you can move free and do the things. You don't have that in a lot of countries, particularly the authoritarian <laughs> countries, where if they want to shut you down, no, no, Bob, you stand on that sidewalk for the next three days and don't move. Right. I mean, that's the authority yeah. they have. So so, it, so it's hard to compare, and, and I think time will tell. I, I, I'm I, hoping Easter is a benchmark that we can see more light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, then we go through and we see what happens uh, towards the end of the month into May.
0: But be, call- be very, very careful with the yeah. chatter. Be, be careful yeah. with the chatter. It is a distraction at this point. At this point, we need to stay focused. We need to stay healthy. We need to follow the experts uh, so we can keep this as short as possible because the quicker we get, come out of this, the better off we're all going to be. Well,
2: you'd hope common sense would prevail, but some people's common isn't sense. So, uh, you know, you, you see situations where you would hope, you know, being in the supermarkets, not a whole lot, but once, twice this week, uh, you know, people are cautious. I saw a very good friend from Maryland, <laughs> and you know, she's looking at me and just waving. Uh, uh, but, you know, that's that's what people, you know, think about we, don't think about me.
0: And think about that hug you're going to get from Ben Reichley when this is all over. <laughs> when Everyone's the time comes. A whole month <laughs> storing up hugs. I'm going to ask oh, the governor my. that he
4: extended <laughs> another month.
1: <laughs> uh, tell us what your, your interaction with your chamber, what yeah. are you
0: telling them, what are they telling you? Well, you know, what might be interesting for the listeners to hear this is, uh, uh, I'm going to go back two weeks. The chamber, by the way, is on a complete layoff. I'm the only person at the chamber currently uh, working. Uh, we are w- operating under a waiver. Uh, I was fortunate. I put the waiver request in Friday morning, the 20th, I believe, uh, and Friday evening at 1140. Who's working at the state at 1140? I guess those, all those cushy state jobs you talk about, uh, uh, Mark. But anyhow, uh, the uh, but I got the approval, so we're open. We're open. I've been averaging about two dozen calls a day from members and non-members in the chamber uh, in the in the Greater Susquehanna Valley, calling. Uh, uh, I think the first week, mainly what folks were trying to get their head around was the governor's proclamation what does this mean for me how do I okay. apply those sort of things this week it's been much more having to do with uh, labor it is okay I have my folks laid off uh, how how much longer should I do that how do I how do I start to apply for you know we heard about the window opened uh, this morning actually at midnight last night uh, for the a- federal applications by the way a lot of the windows for the state applications close today today is the deadline for any of the state Uh, immediate grants, as well as for you to get the waiver. If you do not have your waiver request in yet after today, it's done. You stay home from here out um, unless you want to take the chance, which I'm encouraging folks, don't take chances with coronavirus. Well, I think a
1: wide range of uh, many labor issues have popped up on this show this week. We've heard from people who didn't want to go into a waivered business because they didn't want their family to be at risk. We've heard from uh, people who say they should get some sort of combat pay or a differential if, if they're working now. Uh, and, of course, we hear businesses, of course, that don't have their waiver yet or they think it's unfair who does have it. Uh, are you starting to get a handle or are you hearing the same thing that there's just a, a lot of little pockets of new kind of issues popping yeah, up.
0: on the waivers, we're encouraging, you know, uh, we're encouraging the state, please move, uh, go faster. We need to hear back. You know, the worst thing a business can have is 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 not to hear something. Uncertainty. Just tell, tell uncertainty. Yep, exactly, Ben. That's the worst thing that can happen, particularly for small businesses. I'm very frustrated there's one of our local tree trimmers who has to get back to work. If he doesn't, you know, that Breeze last night, that makes limbs fall. When limbs fall, that means people lose their electricity. That means people lose their broadband. And imagine right now not having access to broadband. We've been working closely with all of our broadband providers. I'm sure you know that SEC TV is offering 90 days free. Jump on, keep your kids working. By the way, just as the, you know, we we keep talking about the kids, uh, keep your knowledge, keep your brain going just because this isn't summer vacation yet, keep working, mm-hmm. is, this would be a great time for folks that didn't have time before to, to uh, hone up their skills, but you know learn what? a new skill. Maybe mm-hmm. when you come back later this month or in May, you'll be able to do a better, a, a different job that pays more. The other thing uh, that we're really working on at the Chamber is keeping people informed. Uh, and uh, we've had a lot of video conferences. I mentioned that we're going to be on with the, um, with the Ridge Policy Group from 11 to 12.30 today. Just visit the website. You can see that. That's under Governmental Affairs. Then immediately after that, we're going to be on the line with uh, Congressman Muser and hopefully Congressman Keller interacting with them. Hey, here's what we just heard. This is what it means for the greater Susquehanna Valley. Yesterday, I was on with the Community Prosperity Alliance. That's all the main street groups in the whole valley. Uh, and and Andrew um, Miller from the Visitor Center was on. And, and he's rolling out. He's got some initiatives. He's getting ready to roll out. Out. We're going to soon be hearing about Susquehanna River Valley Strong, et cetera. We work very, very close with Joanne Troutman and her team and all of her agencies at the United Way, and we're promoting the 211 uh, access, so, uh, so we're, those, those are the things we're doing. Monday, I'm bringing back two of my employees, so it won't just be me. It won't be a, a one-person mm. shop anymore. It's uh, been a heavy lift, and we're going to even get more, uh, more and better information out to our members so that we're ready to rebound. The day we can go back to work, we're going back to work. Bob,
2: do you think the waivers should be made public? Which companies got waivers and which companies didn't get waivers?
0: Oh, I, Ben, I, I think that... A private business should be private business. Okay.
1: All right. Thank you so much for coming in, Bob. Very much appreciated. Check yeah. in occasionally over the next month. I think there's so much yep. to talk about from well, I think your think We're end.
0: going to be on next week, right, with uh, Dr. Rousseau from Susquehanna University talking about uh, his response to these numbers. You're coming back um, in or you're calling in, in also? Or, uh, how I, I can be Bob in the bubble or I can call in. But we'll leave the bubble that, up. But, but let's keep this economic discussion going.
1: We'll put the bubble up again. Uh, this, this is worked out nicely. I'm sorry there's Mm -hmm. negative air pressure in there. It looks like somebody put you in a shrink wrapper. Yeah, we're looking good, though. Appreciate that. Bob Garrett, President and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Green is on the line now, President of Susquehanna University. Thank you so much, sir, for calling in today.
5: Oh, it's my pleasure. And, boy, aren't we lucky to have Bob Garrett running our chamber.
1: Oh, my gosh, this is just crazy. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he is in touch with <laughs> the members of the chamber, and the chamber members are uh, so many new issues have popped up for them to take good care of. So, yeah, he's going to keep checking in from time to time and keeping us informed about what's going on business-wise. Well, set the scene on campus. You're doing a lot of online learning. There's a few people on campus. Uh, nobody has, nobody in my audience has seen the Susquehanna University campus lately. So tell us what we see if we go to campus these days.
5: Well, I've, I've cracked a little little joke with uh, students in my first fireside chat that I feel like the Maytag repairman. We do have uh, currently, I believe, 21 students in residence, and they're all keeping distance. They're each in, in individual spaces on campus, but those are folks for whom we really are their home. Um, and I go out for a walk on campus each day and, and actually don't cross paths with with many people at all um so it's a pretty empty space although the flowers are starting to bloom all over campus so it's a pity that we don't have an audience to appreciate that
1: now will you have a few students popping in from time to time to do this or that and then of course uh,
4: social distance
5: that's it uh, the one thing that we've we've done i mean we've done everything we can to honor the uh, uh the governor's order and uh so after the uh, the first couple of days where we had a, a chance to get people moving around, uh, we've asked folks not to come back to campus and, until uh, that order is lifted so that uh, we aren't introducing new people to the community.
1: It gives our audience some sort of a sense a, a, at the, the mourning or the loss that has to go on in the minds of uh, students when they miss uh, the last part of the spring semester
5: it's 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 been really challenging it's challenging for for the faculty too um i mean one of the things that we pride ourselves is that uh this is a living learning community that we uh we learn in community with each other and the uh, uh activities that happen outside of the classroom do a lot to reinforce the values that are addressed in the classroom and with everybody being separated and online uh that's really missing the the folks that feel the, the uh uh, most sympathy for our, our our seniors uh because this is the second half of the last semester of of colleges uh you know t- a time where they're doing the long goodbye and uh uh they're having to do that from afar right now
1: and uh, what do you see in the future in terms of will you wrap up this semester at the normal time and mm-hmm. are you starting to get an idea that maybe there'll be a graduation where are we headed there
5: well the uh w- we're gonna we're gonna uh, confirm a time of graduation. Uh, uh, actually, later today, we're trying to be sure that we're able to uh, have have uh, a date that we're we're uh, confident about, and so that that'll be um, sewn up and secured in in the next uh, few hours. But uh, the the students will will complete their degrees on time and their courses on time, um, and so uh, whether whether they're on campus at that moment on on. Uh, May 13th, the the seniors will will be uh, degree-possessing graduates of of the university, and then we look forward to having an opportunity to uh, hand them their diplomas in person as soon as we can.
1: Give our audience also some sort of a sense of the leadership that you're heading there. The leadership team uh, set the scene as how you interact with them, the decision-making processes, the decisions that need to be made. Uh, give us a glimpse behind the uh, uh, curtain at uh, Pine Lawn, if you don't mind.
5: Well, well, Pine Pine Lawn's just just two people, and I'm, I have the the great fortune of of uh, Having the the most beautiful inmate in the world is uh, where Lynn and I are holed up in Pine Lawn. But the uh, the senior leadership team is meeting regularly um, via Zoom, and uh, we in fact had a faculty meeting on Monday, and there were 156 people in a Zoom session uh, conducting the uh, the business of the faculty. Um, so the one thing is with the the. Uh, The senior leadership team—we're probably not probably—we're meeting about twice as often as we normally would uh, to make the adjustments we have to make and uh, to be sure that uh, we keep everything moving along in spite of the fact that most of our workforce isn't on campus. Um, You know, a university is a lot like a city, and uh, so we need to be sure that the infrastructure is is moving along and that uh, bills continue to get paid and. Uh, that uh, the uh, critical work of the university doesn't get halted in spite of the obstacles we face.
2: Dr. Green, Ben Reikle here. I would uh, hey Ben. I would say the campus is beautiful. I enjoy nods from your security people as I walk through the backside of it, and it's it's just a shame in a lot of ways. I would agree with you on your companion and Pine Lawn as we talked across <laughs> the street from each other. So I think we were more than sixty feet away. But uh, you know, best to you and Lynn in these situations. Can you give us an ideal? of the timing when, when all this started to come together, because a lot of people might not realize Susquehanna was technically on spring break. You had your spring right. sports teams, I believe, baseball, softball, I don't know if lacrosse was, but I know they were down in Florida, and then mm-hmm. you extended spring break a week, and, and what, what was the uh, some the logistics or timing when uh, you and your, 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 your folks had to make decisions?
5: well, um it it became pretty obvious to us that there that uh, business as usual was not going to uh, be possible after spring break. Um, and uh, in anticipation of needing to at least initially, we thought we would only have to go online for a few weeks. Um, I think that was that was the thought of most of our sister institutions as well. and so we uh, extended spring break by a week. Asked you know students to to stay home, and it was really an opportunity to give faculty uh, a chance to to rejigger coursework to move on uh, to a virtual environment uh, because the classes throughout the spring semester were all in person, and they had to uh, move pretty quickly to to make those changes. And the folks in in IT uh, just did yeoman's work to make that possible. And during that that additional week, we had more information that led us to. Uh, Realized that we weren't going to be able to come back to campus and uh, uh, inform the students that the uh, uh, campus wouldn't be uh, closing in the uh, uh, in response to the governor's order that came
2: out during that time. Yeah, w- when you make the decision, and uh, of course we're talking uh, mid March, early March, mid March, you know, uh, maybe people don't realize. So even with the school districts uh, around, when you make the decision to go to online learning, uh, you don't just switch the the switch, and all of a sudden, it's done because your IT departments had to do yeoman's work to, to get that set up to be able to to do that. So that 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 did take some time in itself. And and uh, you know, I understand talking to uh, uh, Matt uh, about about that. He, he you know, you guys moved very quickly and uh, uh, very efficiently to allow your students to be able to to again finish. Their their semesters and uh, and also uh, be able to uh, you know uh, get, you know get some learning in under a, a situation where there's no there's no handbook for this.
5: No, and 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 I am so proud of, of my faculty colleagues uh, for the ways in which they they really all stepped up and made it possible, and and the students have been terrific. Um, I can. I, I get dozens of emails every day from students uh, wanting me to know how grateful they are for the ways in which faculty and staff have made it possible for them to keep their studies going under um, sometimes really challenging circumstances. For example, we've got um, at least one student that lives in an area where there's no internet connectivity for 50 miles from where she lives, and um, she she has a one of her faculty members are texting her. Um, off hours to, to help her keep up. And, and uh, uh, you know, there, there are hundreds of stories of just like that where where folks are finding extra ways of making it possible for uh, students that are in, in ideal places.
2: Well, Dr. Green, w- one thing about we are, you know, in the here and now and getting through this, can you give us an idea of what... This summer, and and what's what's next year's class potentially going to look like? Mm-hmm. Admissions, I mean, I, I I take it all that is still moving along. There's going to be students that uh you know want to attend Susquehanna, and uh, how how are you uh, getting through that?
5: Well, we're we're continuing the recruiting cycle. Certainly, um, you know, one of the things we always remind ourselves is that if if a student and um, a student's family come come to campus. The likelihood of them enrolling uh, increases dramatically uh, because they get a chance to interact with people on campus. They get to see what a beautiful place it is, attend classes. Um, so our, our our best sales pitch isn't isn't available in normal ways. But you mentioned Matt earlier. He did a panel with some students um, uh, on the internet uh, a couple of weeks ago to let uh, prospective students for the school of business get an idea of what um, what was available to them. Uh, in that program. Uh right now we're we're with all the chaos going on, we're running about 10% behind in deposits from last year. Uh but that's actually 11% ahead of 2018. So we're we're right in sort of the the normal range uh, right now. And I know that in terms of uh, active applications that uh, there's a pretty rich pool. We're just trying to find ways of answering questions and being accommodating for all the challenges that families are facing as they're making some pretty important decisions.
2: Yeah. Dr. Green, how, how do you feel about the uh, the monies that the federal government is putting in, particularly the $13 billion going to higher education and uh, the, the money coming into Pennsylvania that, that can you know, bridge bridge a gap that uh, not only yourself, but other, other universities, private and, and the state universities are going through.
5: Right. Well, um, <clears throat> one thing is that uh, um, I, I think most folks listening know that uh, higher education is, is a major part of the Pennsylvania economy. Um, only New York and California have more private colleges and universities than Pennsylvania. Um, I mean, for example, in Snyder County, we're the largest private employer, um, and that's true of a number of counties in the area. Uh, now, uh, Fred Keller is on the Education and, and uh, Labor Committee, and um, we've been exchanging a lot of messages. And both senators, um, uh, Casey and Toomey, uh, have done really great work to help to be sure that higher education got um a meaningful portion of uh, the CARES Act funds. Now, the American Council on Education had estimated that higher ed was going to require about fifty billion dollars uh, to fill the hole that this is creating, and so the four, fourteen is a lot better than the six they started with, but it, it's still a fraction of the the costs. Um, and I was in a call with uh, private college presidents from across the country a couple of days ago, and there were some questions that came up, and most of us are estimating that that the uh, relief will be between 20 and 30% of uh, the losses that uh, we encounter as a a result of this.
1: Are you hearing from any people in town in terms of the businesses and landlords, their lost revenue? Do you have any feedback that you've uh, gathered about that?
5: Well, all all of our students... um, if they're not commuters from their their family homes live on campus, so so the landlord issue hasn't been uh, one. The one landlord that that uh, has lost revenue is the university um, because we uh, refunded students' uh, room and board for the second half of the semester. Gotcha. But um, uh, I think businesses obviously uh, are, are suffering from a lack of their being you know twenty three hundred folks not being here right now, uh, but also a lot of the businesses that our students support are uh, limit, limited in the ways they're, they're open right now as well. So certainly, um, you know, takeout is happening, but not restaurants and, um, and some of the stores that, that uh, they would normally support. So it may not be felt because there's no one there
3: to feel it.
1: Well, Ben's incapable of asking every great question, so I'm <laughs> going to ask you if there's anything important <laughs> yeah. you would like to tell us that uh, we did not ask, but that our audience should know and that you'd like to share well
5: I, I think one of the the things that's really important is that so many of the organizations throughout uh the region have have been helping each other um i was just on a call with the united way board yesterday and uh the number of of different organizations are trying to be sure that services are um uh, being uh kept moving along the ways in which different organizations are making sure that meals are available to folks um I know there were a couple stories in social media and in the paper that we had some surplus medical supplies that uh uh, we gave to our neighbors that that have need right now, and uh, I've just I've been so impressed with the ways in which members of this community have stepped up to help each other uh, in a time of need. And uh, so, it's just I'm, I'm always proud of the university, but I'm sure I'm proud of our neighborhood too. All right.
1: Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much for checking in. We know you're doing fireside chats. Uh, is that how many of those have you done? I saw the initial one. Uh, are you continuing that method of outreach? Yep.
5: Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll send one out every Sunday, um, and I did two. No, two sitting by the fireplace and and the one that's coming out uh, this sunday um i get out of my chair about three seconds into it, and go for a little walk across campus and uh, share some, oh, great. some trivia <laughs> and history about the university. <laughs> so for, for our students that are trapped in
1: apartments in, in the Bronx right now, not being able to go outside to give them some fresh air on their computers. Or just to rub it in a little oh, bit, tell, a tell them what they're <laughs> missing. So.
2: Beautiful campus, beautiful campus, Dr. Green. And uh, ho- hopefully soon people can be, can be back on it. Probably not this year, it's going to be tough, but uh, graduation and then into the fall semester.
5: Yeah, and right. it's, it's, it's a beautiful campus, but it's a lot more beautiful when there are
1: people People. On. Yep. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much. Keep in touch. You've got an open oh, mic any time. We'd, lo- we'd yep. love yep. to That's hear to you from you again. Thank you so much, Take Dr. Her. Jonathan Green on the line, president of uh, Susquehanna University. We're going to do a break. We'll come back, do headlines, do a break, and then we'll open up the phones. So stand by. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Uh, we started out with Financial Friday, talking about the jobless numbers. 4.4% uh, jobless rate, up from 3-point-something the month before. Uh, that's just a snapshot of about two weeks ago before the shutdowns really took in effect. So uh, the actual jobless rate in the U.S. would be much higher. 700 million people were participating in applying for unemployment. I'm um, sorry, 7 million people. Sorry.
2: I think the numbers are looking around 10 million. 10 million. I'm I'm sorry. Ten million. Got too many numbers uh, right now. And again, this is going to be this is going to be a roller coaster we're going to get through because by the time in May, hopefully, we see the worst numbers come out things are looking better, and By people then, are we'll starting, on to, the way up. starting to plan to get back to work, so we'll see.
1: All right, to be continued. Uh, ben Reikley is our co-host. Rob Center, our fabulous producer. We're going to do news headlines. We'll so take a break, and we'll open up the phones. Now, that'll be at about uh, 22 minutes uh, before the hour, 20, about 18 minutes before the hour. There we go. Uh, the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine and UPMC are working on a vaccine for the coronavirus and say they are making progress. UPMC said Thursday they reported some initial animal testing had gone well and if it works it could be available for humans in about 6 months not years which is the normal case for a vaccine the university medical center published that they worked on a very comparable virus earlier and that expedited their work on this particular virus there are more coronavirus patients being seen in the tents at evangelical community hospital they're doing some testing and using the new medicines that are identified to treat coronavirus our clinical leaders have reviewed the-
0: limited medical literature on the use of hydroxychloroquine. It's part of our treatment plan for hospitalized patients for COVID-19. It comes in a pill, and so it is taken orally.
1: The Evangelical Community Hospital President and CEO, Doctor—I'm sorry, just, uh, just CEO—Kendra Acker. Uh, although she's, uh, she's she's an infectious she has, disease specialist now. She has the now. bull
2: by the horns, and she has her yeah. staff
1: moving. Very, very, very positive leader, uh, not just for the hospital but for the community. She says 247 patients have been tested for the virus, with 10 testing pyra- uh, positive. Most of which, most of whom, were sent home. Union-Snyder Community Action Agency responding to the need in the Valley for food and other resources for people during the COVID-19 pandemic. The agency says starting Monday they'll offer basic needs bags to residents, even in the county's most remote areas. Emily Marosco, assistant director, says people can call 374-0181 for more information on the basic needs bags for That's families. Snyder
2: Steiner, Union County?
1: Yep. Yes, Community mm-hmm. Action Agency. As for the statewide numbers?
6: There are now more more than 7,000 cases of COVID-19 in 62 PA counties with the State Department of Health reporting over 1,200 new cases Thursday. The Health Department also reported 16 new coronavirus deaths with that statewide number now at 90, Secretary of Health Dr. Rachel Levine says COVID-19 symptoms vary from patient to patient.
1: Some patients have very few symptoms. Some patients are critically ill. There might be patients who really don't have any symptoms at all. So we know if the number of true cases is far above our case count.
6: Levine says about 345 of the state's confirmed cases of coronavirus are in health care workers, and about 10 percent of the state's 695 licensed nursing homes have at least one case of covid Covid-19. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK.
1: Doctor Levine and the governor will have an update at 2 p.m. today, and we'll broadcast that live on WKOK. The Trump administration is formalizing new guidance to recommend that many Americans wear face coverings in an effort to slow the spread of the new coronavirus. The recommendations are still being finalized and are expected to apply to uh, at least to those who live in areas hard hit by the community transmission of the virus. A person familiar with the discussion says Officials would suggest that non-medical masks, T-shirts, or bandanas be used to cover the nose and mouth while outside the home don't try to procure the N95 masks that are needed by first responders and medical personnel. uh, President Donald Trump and uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci are aggressively defending their response to the crisis. And the president blasted Democratic critics yesterday saying that states should have done more to stockpile medical supplies during Mm. the pandemic. But regardless, the president and others uh, say it wouldn't hurt to wear a cloth mask while you enjoy the out-of-doors.
2: Well, well, if you're staying more than six feet away, hopefully you don't need that. But again, we're seeing day-to-day, oh, not day-to-day, hour-to-hour, some of the... uh, Uh, information that comes in that changes uh, what people thought of. And very interesting, some of uh, the replies of the New York Times, Washington Post, some of the other politicians, what they said in February, and then what they said in early March, and now what they're saying now, uh, you know, very interesting, but not, uh, you know, the media is going to be the media. And uh, hmm. you, you sort of have to get through it. Uh, again, Governor Cuomo has, has come out and has been uh, uh, pretty positive on some things. But then I think it's fair to look back on the states and say, okay, what, what were you doing as a state? Uh, if you look at the federal government for help all the time, shame on you. What were you doing as an individual, Mark, to say that this might happen? You know, we, when you have uh, thunderstorms and we have the winds uh, come through and you lose power, it, you know, do you have candles? Do you have flashlights? Do you have some prep stuff that you can use when your car breaks down? Do you have a little emergency kit in your car that you can, you know, put flashers out and be safe? So at some point, if you're always looking for, uh, for a big government to help you, good luck because it doesn't happen. And I think it's fair to look at each state and say, okay, how were you prepared? Also fair to look at the federal government and say, how were you prepared?
1: All right. President Trump didn't put a flashlight in my glove compartment. I put that there. So we'll make that clear. All right. Let's take a quickie break. We'll be right back. And then we're going to open up the phones. Go ahead and dial them up 1 800 795 9565. 1 800 795 9565. Bye. <sighs> Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Call us now, 1-800-795-9565. Do you think people should be forced to wear a mask if you go outside? <laughs> Not a Halloween mask to cover up your hideous face, my hideous face, I should say. Mm-hmm. Oh, but a uh, cloth mask, a bandana, something like that, should you have to. That's what they said in California. If you go outside, you got to wear one. Uh, here in Pennsylvania, it's just a good idea. Uh, we talked to an infectious disease specialist about this for 25 minutes. and He gave us all the extra Explanation and uh, aerosols and particulates and uh, Mark, droplets if, if, and if they blah, blah 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 and then at the end said well it's not a terrible idea
2: well if they told you to stand on your head and this can go away stand on your head give it a shot you know, why not uh, you know put, put a handkerchief over your face uh, I I'm hope you know we'll, we'll get through this we'll we'll see. Um, Some worse numbers when it comes to uh, people getting infected and people passing away. In some regards, we'll see the numbers hopefully here at the end of April start to turn around. We'll, we'll, We'll see if that's a good timeline or not. But next year, we should drastically lower the flu. We, we should have. I'm hoping 30 percent of people getting the flu because we'll do this. We now, know
1: how to do this, yeah, right? Now, now the flu is a different term, though. Well,
2: but still, if you look at some of the same fundamentals we're talking about here, if you do that for almost anything, it should be uh, you, you should be less. But we, we'll be far more conscious of our of ourselves when when it comes to the interactions with people. But the the other part is 30, 40, 50. You now remember, 102 years ago, the Spanish flu. But 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now when this happens, the young folks now, how will they act? How will government be set up to act? But how will personally people act if if something like this happens again?
1: Oh, yeah, we'll never be caught like this again.
2: But you hope you don't overreact to a degree, but overreacting in the beginning might be positive. And remember, one of the things that the Trump administration did, and I know the people on some of the cable uh, stations don't like this, but when you cut travel from China back at the end of uh, January, that is a bigger deal than people think, because Italy didn't do that. Some of these other countries didn't do that. And, you know, those, those folks in Wuhan had a, uh, uh, what was it, uh, the, the New Year's Eve celebration, uh, uh, Lunar New Year celebration, which is quasi uh, a Mardi Gras-type celebration when you talk about that. So down in uh, Louisiana, those people are suffering, uh, unfortunately. But uh, also, you know, w- we'll see how the government gets set up and also too, very much question the WHO, World Health Organization, question the UN, question the motives, because something seems to be just just not right when it comes to how they should be serving
1: their members. 1-800-795-9565. One of our emailers says, shouldn't the unemployment numbers go down next month? Because small businesses are hiring their own people back. So why wouldn't the numbers fall drastically? No, the numbers will go up because the small business will be way overwhelmed by the people laying off hundreds of individuals
2: now furloughs and layoffs and, and we'll see we'll see what happens in the pipeline the numbers should go down hopefully for may when we see the june numbers but uh, time will
1: tell bobby you're on the mark we got a business expert in the studio actually he's an expert in a wide range of topics uh mr yes,
6: quest- uh, question ben um, I- i'm gonna say over the years that you've been in business uh, state, well, state, local, and, and federal and that. Have the tax uh, laws been changed to help the businessman stay in business and benefit the business? Like from a local, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, I mean, if you you know... I, I know this one. A local
1: business <laughs> well, I, I'm not a business person, but I know yeah, this one. Yeah,
2: locally, no. But what the Trump administration did was very positive for small business. But, okay. but, but you also have to look at it's not just the tax laws. The, the, those, if those are consistent, then you can decide where you want to have your business. Do you want to have it in Snyder County or Union County, or do you want to go out of state? But it's also what are your state and county regulations? Okay. What are the hurdles to start a new business? What are the hurdles to expand a new business? And and as, as Dr. Green from Susquehanna talked about, Bob Garrett down at the Chamber of Commerce, the, the the Chamber of Commerce has been very proactive in retention of business. Yeah, it's great to have new businesses come in, but if you can retain your businesses, just as yes. a just as a, a business, uh, uh, it, it's far easier to retain your employees and always have to get new employees. So, you know, you have to look at the business equation, and that's why certain states have far better, the hurdles for taxes are far lower. Their regulations are far lower in some ways. However, when you think of regulations, you know, you have to have uh, conscious environmental regulations that, that, that help society. You can't have uh, uh, people, not just businesses, but you just can't have people uh, making up their own rules. So again, uh, look at the business equation for your county, for your region, for your municipality, uh, and
1: also your state. All right, One of our listeners sends a note. My question is, is Pennsylvania state government doing anything for its uh, citizens? Well, it's shutting down your local businesses. We'll we'll ask that question of uh, uh, Mr. John Gordner's calling and again on yeah. Monday morning, but so i will have that.
2: One thing I'd like to see, see is, uh, you know, there are certain businesses that could be open right now. One of them is the Pennsylvania liquor stores. You know, they shut down the the government per se, and you know it's very interesting. And I and I heard a blip uh, either Wednesday or maybe yesterday. You guys were talking about it. But if you look at the people running to Delaware, Maryland, New Jersey, Upstate New York, Ohio, and West Virginia to buy spirits, to buy liquor, and you know, the only re- thing I can come to guess is they've shut down the liquor stores because they're state workers. And the state workers might throw a fit if they have to go back to work. And I say that respectfully to to the, uh, the state workers. But why aren't the liquor stores open? Because the state is losing revenue to other states. And this should be a red flag, hold it up, and wave for privatization right. of the liquor stores.
1: One of our listeners sends us a clipping. Uh, this is from the Center Square in Philadelphia in a joint, uh, and this relates to the nice lady that sent us an email about what state government doing. In a joint letter signed by all 28 Republican state senators, uh, the Republican caucus urged Governor Wolf to expedite reopening of businesses if and only if that business can still adhere to social. Social distancing guidelines, rather than keep so many residents out of work with no clear long-term plans. Well, do, so we
2: appreciate that? Yeah, but how that. do you open certain things? And I, 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 I understand. It. But how, how do you go get a haircut? Unless, you know, unless, well,
1: maybe that's Edward, not Edward, one of the businesses. Well,
2: Edward hands is your uh, barber who can stand six feet back. But you know, how are some of these under the rules? How, how can some of these businesses even open up? Uh, you know, time will tell. One of our listeners
1: sends us a note, says it's amusing to listen to the news now. They report breathlessly telling us all how bad the unemployment numbers are. Gee, what did they expect to happen when the governors of all 50 states tell most businesses to close their doors and stay home? Mm. Incredible. Same listener sends us a note yesterday. Gun shops are very essential. I agree to that. We can just stop right there, but he does say more. Gun shops are very essential for when the hordes in the city start running out of food and start moving west, foraging. There will be lawlessness, and a gun is a person's first line of defense. The police at that point will be unable to cover everywhere, uh, j- as they are now, just Saying.
2: Is this an episode under Gunsmoke smoke or high chaparral? Or?
1: Well, this, uh, I think gun shops should be open. But anyway, yesterday you had a caller say he believes that virus was God getting mad about homosexuality. This virus started in China at a market that mis- mixed bat feces with food or something. So this uh, preacher doesn't know the Bible as I see it. God will come and pick and choose who survives. Uh, the end is not from this virus, says well, Bob. We'll leave that but
2: the, where this started and how it spread is, is very questionable. The wet market seems to be involved, but also there's a couple laboratories. So I, I doubt we will ever really know where this came from because it came from a communist country and uh, the information. And unfortunately, there's one of the early doctors. He has passed away and there's another doctor and she is missing and in, in, nobody can find her. So I, I doubt we'll ever really know. Uh, how this came from, but I would say there, there could be a mixture of wet markets uh, involved with animals, involved with uh, maybe uh, some
1: laboratories. All right, we'll find out more. Chris is going to talk to us in a minute. We'll be right back Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Chris, thank you so much for being patient, being a great participant in the show, and uh, for being a man who knows virtually everything as near as I can tell. You are on the mark.
6: No, well, I know some things and I look up some things. And uh, I'm always uh, willing to say that somebody can be a better researcher than I. All I do is wander around the web when I have a question.
1: Okay. What's cooking?
6: Uh, well, I, I think that last part of, of the, the laboratory's cooking this up seems kind of far-fetched on no evidence whatsoever at the moment.
2: No, there is evidence, Chris. If okay, you can find we'll it the let
6: that go. We'll find that sometime.
2: We'll find you can find it right now. Okay, what else, Chris? Okay, go yeah, but
6: there's no proof.
2: Yes, there is, Chris. Yes, oh, there is.
6: Not, now you're saying it's proved. You were just saying no. It could there, be. there, there is proof. <laughs> there you're is proof. Now okay. you no, there is proof, Chris. And I'll tell you
2: where it's from. out there. We'll no, skip Chris, that Chris, you've then, been so out there. You, have been out there. But look it up. Look up where the Southern China University study and look up where the bats come from, and then look up how many bats are in the Huan area and you can uh, do that so you're a researcher go research southern I China will. university I, I
6: would you don't have to repeat everything i say to take up my time so you know
1: go, go ahead chris you got another minute go right ahead
6: another minute i'm down before i even get to have stupid trump spin he doesn't <laughs> do first of all the cutting off the travel does no good if you do nothing in the extra time it gives you and it's already in the country when you cut off the travel Closing down borders is not something that really works in epidemics. Uh, that's the World Health Organization's opinion, anyway, and I don't know what your problem is with them either. But uh, what, what did what did Trump do yesterday? He stood up there next to a bunch of people again, two days in a row, setting a fine example for social distancing, and then he says. He says he's a wartime president, and then says the federal government's just a backup. We're just a backup here. The states should have had all this. The states don't handle epidemics on a national world level. That's absolute garbage.
1: All right, last he remark. And, please give it 10 and, seconds.
6: he and in right with his, I don't take responsibility for anything. Oh, boy. Absolutely true.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Appreciate the call. Well, I hate hope, to do this to you. We hope he has a good weekend. <laughs> On the Mark has been brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company. Ooh. It's a family-owned dealership since 1915. 4th Street, Sunbury, and Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Morph. Find out tons more about them at sunburymotors.com. Do as I just did earlier this week. Got re-pumped up with nitrogen. Uh, they got the vehicle aligned, got the body painted, and see, how do I look? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but got the truck painted and it looks fabulous. So please, go to the Sunbury Motor Company, quickly, and They got the big Truck Bay and everything there. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. They would just love to do business with you.
2: Yeah, we'll see what happens. Folks, uh, think of uh, we, don't think of me, and, uh, uh, you know, stay safe.
1: Big plans on the weekend? No, just kidding. (laughs) Get outside,
2: (laughs) breathe fresh air. Yeah,
1: about to get some exercise. Thank you, everybody, for putting up with me. This is News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury, 10 o'clock.